0: Yes, it's back with 10 Premier League games to look forward to. It's the ultimate Premier League podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, in the company of TalkSport's football correspondent, Alex Crook. Hello. Hello. And Super Skipper. He's been captain everywhere. It's Matt Holland. Hello. Hello to you. So much to get to, including a huge Monday night football for two teams that have had tricky starts to the season. Ineos in it for the money. Hmm. Will the Glazers actually sell? Leeds and Chelsea rekindle a 1970s rivalry. Arsenal look to make hay on the sunny South Coast and Spurs are thrown to the walls. It's the Game Day Podcast and we're from Talk Sport. Oh, wow. What a week. I mean, we are very lucky, very, very lucky, unlike Manchester United, to have a very deep squad to delve into when we need it. And uh, Matt Holland is here as a result of that. Hello. How are you doing, Matt? You all right? Uh, you okay?
3: I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure about Krookie. Crookie's actually still smiling. You had a bad couple of weeks, Krookie, but you, you're in good spirits.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. yeah. You I have mean, to I, be optimistic. <laughs> I like to think that we've got such a deep squad because we we do proper recruitment. Um, West Ham have signed Tilo Kera uh, a bit of proper recruitment crook um, is that going to be the biggest deal of the week or are we talking about transferring of shares rather than transferring of personnel at Manchester United?
4: Well this is a, an incredible story that's developed overnight so Jim Radcliffe, uh, Manchester United fan uh, looking to invest in the club I think it's galvanised uh, the United supporters uh, and I think he's put the Glazers now in, in a very difficult position. I don't think it's a coincidence uh, that we're now hearing they're going to go back in for Anthony and perhaps preparing a big money bid for him. They're looking at Casemiro, which would be another uh, huge outlay. Um, I think they're trying to save face and, and maybe stop what would still be a hostile takeover. But these protests at Old Trafford on Monday will both be there, Sam. I think they're going to be the biggest that we've seen yet against the Glazer ownership. Um, players
0: linked to Manchester United in the last three days. Pulisic, Casemiro, João Felix, Cunha, Mounier, Vardy, Rabiot, Aubameyang, Maratta, Sommer, Des, Caicedo. And in fact, there's, there's players that you've just mentioned that weren't on that list. I mean, <laughs> it is a little bit scattergun. I mean, I mentioned that in relation to Chelsea earlier in the uh, transfer window, but this is, this is beyond the pound, Matt. I mean, they obviously clearly haven't got a clue what it is they are doing. There's no clear strategy here, is there?
3: To be honest, Sam, I think it's absolutely ludicrous for us to believe that all of those names are of genuine interest to Manchester United. I think there'll be a mixture... Really? A, 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 no, genuinely. I think that there'll be a mixture of agents and, and obviously you know, people putting media, putting these names into the into the mix yeah. for Manchester United. So there's absolutely no way that every single one of those names is going to be uh, 100% truly linked to Manchester United. Of course, you know they, they are going down their list because they've not been able to get their number one targets in. Quite clearly, uh, De Jong was the number one choice this summer. That hasn't happened yet. It hasn't materialised. But um, they're still pursuing it. They're still pushing for it. Um, but we're, we're seeing names linked, because simply they haven't been able to get their number one targets.
0: <laughs> OK. Uh, now, those of you who have watched the Monday podcast on YouTube will know that uh, the old Barnet's getting a little bit longer now. Have you noticed that, Matt? It's, like, it's coming down over the years and everything. I've decided, uh, I've got a little bit of stick for the restart. I've got to be honest with you, the gaffer has said he's not, he's not up for it. But I'm toughing it out. I'm now pinning solidarity with Mark Kukurea, who says, I'll never cut my hair, it's my style. That's right, Mark. You stay strong. You stay strong. Talking of needing to stay strong, something we might be saying to our Manchester United friends after the Monday Night Football.
2: Manchester United nil! Manchester United have capitulated here! I know football is a game of uh, mistakes, but you have to take responsibility on the pitch. I
0: think with clocks ticking on them already, I think that's the nature of being manager of Man United at this time. Sometimes in life, you can't bounce until you hit the bottom. Red card for Darwin Nunez. The 10 men for. What is it? Nearly 40 minutes. It's really tough. Crystal Palace take points away at one of the super clubs. I don't see a situation where Jurgen Klopp got to panic. Just another manic Monday, live on Talksport. Yes, Monday night, 8 o'clock, live on TalkSport. Game night returns with a cracking game night on Monday night with um, Crystal Palace away at Anfield. It was a really good match. Danny Murphy was brilliant on the co He's with us again on Monday night, live on Talk Sport. Stuart Pearce is joining us as well uh, for Monday night game night. And now the worst thing about those scary movies from the... 90s and 2000s Matt the torture porn genre you know you'll remember it Adrian Durham is very fond of those but you are always aware of what's going to happen aren't you you know it's going to be gruesome you know it's going to be blood curdling and everyone's going to get slaughtered but you turn up with your popcorn anyway and you still watch it which is a bit like Manchester United fans going to Old Trafford on Monday night, they lost four 0 and five 0 to Liverpool last season. Matt, realistically, what's the best case scenario on Monday?
3: They've actually only won one of the last twelve Premier League games against Liverpool. So recent history tells you there's only <laughs> going to be there's only going to be one result, and that's and that's a little making win. Him
0: feel good. Stop making it him feel good.
3: But let's be fair. Liverpool haven't started brilliantly couple of draws themselves. Disappointing results against Fulham and Palace. They would see this as a must-win because they've already dropped four points already this season. They've got an injury list, um, which is lengthening. They've got key players missing. They've got Nunez suspended as well. So it's not like Liverpool are coming into this without any problems as well. Um, but having said all that, the performances that United have put in for the first couple of games... Liverpool are strong favourites going into
0: the game. Yeah, I fear if Liverpool fancy it, they'll absolutely throttle Manchester United on Monday night. Liverpool had an XG of 2.24 uh, in their game on Monday against Crystal Palace. They missed chances. They are going to be missing Darwin Nunez for this game. But Crook, the fact that Liverpool have failed to win their opening two matches of the season... Is that actually the worst possible scenario for Manchester United on Monday?
4: In some ways, yes, because it's the old uh, beware a wounded animal analogy because if Liverpool were to drop more points in this game, I think some of their fans would already be giving up the title to Manchester City. So as well as being a huge game for United to get their season off and running against the old enemy, it's a massive game for Liverpool as well. Um, I think I'm buoyed by the fact that Darwin Nunez won't be there to bully uh, the pint-sized Lissandro Martinez. I'm interested to see who lines up alongside Martinez because lots of noises coming out of Old Trafford this week that maybe finally uh, Harry Maguire might find himself out of the team and on the bench and that Rafael Varane uh, may come in and partner Martinez. I think changes have to be made. I think the, the most damning thing for me uh, last weekend was that after losing to Brighton, 10 of the ten of the 11 started Uh, at the Brentford Community Stadium. I know the squad isn't that deep. You'll tell me that, Sam. Anthony Martial, I think, is back in training, uh, so possibly he could come in. But I think Eric Ten Hag needs to send out a statement. If that means blooding some youngsters, go for it.
0: It is interesting, isn't it, Matt? Because, you know, the the big question is, is who is Eric Ten Hag going to select? It's all right saying, oh, finally, Maguire's going to be dropped, uh, which is Crook's angle on it. But actually, it was Martinez who was hooked at half-time because he's only about five foot one, Uh, And actually, they kept a clean sheet in the second half against Brentford with Varane and Maguire together. And if you look back at the stats over the course of last year, actually, Maguire and Varane together is the best defensive partnership that Manchester United have got. But they got such a shellacking at the weekend. And bearing in mind they couldn't physically compete with Brentford, how will they cope with the electrifying Diaz, Salah, Elliot, who was terrific the other night. The missiles from Alexander-Arnold.
3: Do you know, it, it's such a nightmare for Eric Ten Hag because he works all pre-season with a team, with a plan, and how he wants to play. And two games in, we're already ripping it up. We're already saying that, actually, this isn't going to work. David De Gea can't play out. You've got Christian Eriksen playing as a number six. Um, you've got Luke, you know, Luke Shaw in the team who doesn't look particularly fit. Um, so he's got a nightmare sure. situation. He's, he, after <laughs> He's got a nightmare situation after a couple of games. The team selection will be interesting. I think Varane has to play. I think Malassia has to start. I, I look at Man United, and I look at. I think there's a lack of leadership about them on the pitch. You can talk about whatever's happened on the pitch, uh, off the pitch, but on the pitch, there's a lack of leadership. When there's a goal goes in, everyone sort of just looks around. Oh well, there's a goal gone in. Let's just walk back to the halfway line. If a goal goes in against my team, I'm looking around and I'm berating my teammates. Who's made the mistake? Well, that's not going to happen again. Malassia came on at half-time, there was a mistake made. He ended up having to make a challenge, the ball went out for a corner. His first reaction was to go around his teammates and have a go at them and and say, you've got to close down, you've got to get tighter in midfield. You could see it meant something, you could see the passion in him. That says to me that he has to start the game, because there is a a distinct lack of leadership at, at Old Trafford at the moment. So the team selection is going to be interesting. I expect a reaction. United can't continue to be as as bad as as they have been that surely the defeat against Brentford was rock bottom that has to be rock bottom it can't get any lower than that and I expect expect we said that last season
0: (laughs) <laughs> it can't get any lower. Every time we say it can't get any lower, it's like they're doing the limbo, <laughs> trying to go lower and lower and lower every time, and keep breaking their own record. Uh, Mo Salah has scored nine times in the last seven matches against Manchester United. Uh, will there people furiously? Will there be people furiously uh, captaining him in a Fantasy Premier League, licking their lips, thinking, "Oh, this might be a triple captain week." Crookie, do you think?
4: No, I don't think I'd go that far. And actually, um, maybe I need to uh, apologise a little bit to you because we were talking about fantasy team selections when we were covering for White and Jordan. You said, I'm not sure about Sal. I didn't end the season particularly well. I don't think he's torn up any trees in these first couple of games. So you were suggesting that maybe that form could limp into a new campaign. And for once, Sam, I think you might be right.
0: For once? Oh, Yeah. Okay, for once you might have actually acknowledged it, which is a nice thing for you to do. Uh, Last time that Manchester United were this bad, ironically, uh, the whole country was on strike. Schools were closed because of an energy crisis. Uh, Britain were just about to have a female prime minister. And milk had gone up 10%. Weird how some of the similarities seem to be coming back to haunt us. That was 1979, uh, by the way. Uh, that game is live on TalkSport. kicks off at 8 o'clock on Monday. Uh, Saturday lunchtime, 12.30, live on TalkSport. It's Tottenham against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, Tottenham managed a few chances at the bridge, actually, despite being dominated by Chelsea, Matt. Uh, they take on Wolves, who have failed to beat Leeds and Fulham so far. Not a great start.
3: No, not been a, not been a great start for Wolves. I mean, they've got real problems they, up front. They need a striker. Kind um, of Cody's obviously gone. Jimenez still injured. Uh, I was actually I was actually a bit disappointed in Spurs at the weekend against Chelsea. If I if I'm honest, I expected a bit more from them. Um, uh, they they had no real control of the game. I thought Chelsea were excellent, and and Chelsea ironically were missing a striker as well. If they'd had a number nine, they would have won the game quite comfortably as well. But I was I was a little bit disappointed. But that's only been Spurs.
0: going on for two and a half years, Matt. That's only been going on for well,
3: two and a half yeah, years. That's, why, that's it's okay. why the strikers get the big bucks, because they yeah. are so important to everyone. Um, but but yeah. no, I, I was disappointed in Spurs, and I, and I, I expect a bit more of a, a performance from them this weekend.
0: No win in nine Premier League matches, stretching back to last season for Bruno Large and Wolverhampton Wanderers. After a poor start to the season, a rough end to last one. Popular players have been jettisoned, Crook.
4: Are there rumblings at Molyneux? Well, there were rumblings at the back end of last season. Um, I remember covering a game for Talksport against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Um, and I think, uh, had Wolves suffered a drubbing that afternoon, it was possible at one stage. I think Chelsea went 2 0 up, Wolves got it back to 2 2. Connor Cody ironically scoring in stoppage time. Had the result have gone differently, then I think he would have been bang under pressure. They backed him in the transfer market. Uh, they've managed to, uh, to find a pot of cash uh, behind the back of the sofa. Uh, when you look at Mateus Nunes uh, coming in from Sporting Club record deal, their fans are uh, they're excited by that. They're also keeping tabs Good play. Good play. on another uh, Portuguese-based player, the Benfica striker uh, Gonzalo Ramos. Looks like a straight shootout between them and Southampton for him. And I think in some ways Ramos would be a more important addition. Because they do look lightweight up front, and you know we don't know uh, what sort of Jimenez we're going to see when he comes back. Because I think we can all acknowledge uh, that he wasn't the same Jimenez last season as he was before that horrible head injury.
0: Yeah, and they they do seem to have lots of weapons out wide, don't they? I mean, if they're going to be dangerous, it's going to be on the counter attack. They've got Pedence, they've got Neto, they've signed Guedes, um, but they they don't seem to have anybody to put the ball in the back of the net. And that is something that seems to be a real sort of dearth around European football, really. Everyone's looking for a striker, Matt Holland, aren't they?
3: Yeah, they certainly are. Um, they don't grow on trees, not, not the top ones anyway. Um, so, no, they're they're another team. I, look, uh, Armando Broja is going to be someone that's going to be in demand uh, uh, this season, uh, this summer, should I say. And there's going to be three or four Premier League clubs, I'm sure, that are looking at him. And he would be, a, I think, a really good signing for Wolves. But I think he'd be a good signing for Everton. I think he'd be a good signing for Newcastle. I think there's a number of clubs that he'd be a great signing for as well. So um, Why does but,
0: he just stay at Chelsea? Because Chelsea well, haven't got one.
3: But, well, I mean, you asked Thomas Tuchel why he's decided not to use him more regularly in that that number nine position. That'd be um, my question to to Thomas Tuchel. Uh, My worry as well about Nunes coming in, I mean, obviously big money, is that that might have an impact on Neves Ruben Neves and whether he stays at the club as well, because um, he's been linked. Well, he's not the only one, is he? But he's been linked with Man United. Um, So I just wonder whether... Mm -hmm. He's, yeah, he's on he, the list yeah I yeah, know oh, he's on the list well you, you could you took 20 minutes to read that list you found him already have you
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm on that list Sam oh, somewhere he's on
4: he's on, he's on he's on. page 3 hold on uh, I think actually <laughs> uh, Wolves fans maybe should be more concerned about Pedro Neto um, because I know that his agent a certain uh, George Mendes has been touting him around as some of the bigger clubs in the Premier League I think if anybody is to leave Molineux uh, this window it might well be him and guess what he's on Manchester United's list as oh. well we should have done a quiz, actually.
0: Who is who is Pedro Neto's agent? He plays for Wolves. Who could it possibly be? Or who is, um, or it's or who is not? The only agent. That's, a, who, yeah, that's definitely a question. Who is not on Man, Man United's list? <laughs> <laughs> um, Tottenham have got so many weapons in attack, haven't they? They don't have the problems that many have in terms of uh, goal-scoring uh, forwards, Richarlison, Kane... Son, uh, Kulisevsky. I mean, they look, they look frightening going forward. And that's one of the things that actually, Matt, you mentioned that last week they were a bit passive in their game against uh, Chelsea, which was surprising, I think. You know, I thought they were going to come and impose themselves at the bridge. They didn't do that. Um, but they still look dangerous on the break, and they created a number of big chances anyway. So it's inconceivable, isn't it, that they won't open up that Wolves back line?
3: No, I, I would expect Tottenham to win the game. I think, as you quite rightly say, enough quality in forward areas. I think it'd be interesting as well, team selection for Antonio Conte and whether some of the new signings forced their way into the starting eleven. Obviously, Richarlison, I think, would be pushing to start. Um, But what about Bissouma and Perisic? Uh, Longley as well, because I think Romero's picked up an injury and he's going to be missing at the weekend as well, he so has, yeah. so all of a sudden he's got a few new signings waiting in the wings, ready to start and desperate to start, so it'd be interesting to see if any of them do get the nod.
0: Uh, Sunday, two o'clock, Leeds against Chelsea, part of the Sunday session on Talk Sport. 1970 was 52 years ago, but that was when the rivalry between Chelsea and Leeds was at its height. They twice uh, played an FA Cup final, a replay. There was missing footage that's never been found. And Chelsea's rivalries uh, now maybe a little bit more focused on Spurs and Liverpool. But there's still always an edge to this game. But because of what happened last weekend, Crook, do you think Thomas Tuchel's side might be ready to take their frustrations out on a very open Leeds United?
4: Yeah, I think they'll get chances. Uh, it's one of the things that we flagged up on the podcast last week. The Leeds could be uh, the great entertainers um, this season, as they were probably in, in the first season under Bielsa, because you know they seem to have plenty of weapons in attack, but they do afford the opposition opportunities as well. And I think Chelsea will be frustrated. Uh, Matt's right. If they had a, a number nine, we, we said it on Sunday, they would have swatted Tottenham aside. They played... Really well, actually. A lot better than they did on the opening weekend against Everton. So signs already that the new signings, there's not been loads of new signings, but they're starting to gel. Do we think pierre or Aubameyang could be a Chelsea player by then? More talk scheduled between Chelsea and Aubameyang's representatives on Thursday afternoon. And if he doesn't come, and I think there is a bit of reluctance on behalf of the player, where's the backup option? Who is going to be that number nine for Chelsea this season? Could it be Armando Broja?
0: As far as I understand it, I think he is Chelsea's number one target now to bring in in that position. Um, I think if he is going to move from Barcelona, and they do have a wealth of options in the forward areas, uh, then he's going to move to Chelsea rather than anywhere else because he wants to play Champions Agreed. League football. So he's focused on coming back to London if he has to leave uh, Barcelona. And with the way Barcelona are going about their business... I mean you, you don't know what's happening you c- cannot tell whether or not it's going to happen or whether they're going to keep him because the left hand says one thing and the right hand says something completely different at that football club but certainly that is an area of the pitch that Chelsea need to improve but it's been as I mentioned earlier sort of like jokingly two and a half years since they've been trying to fill that void that has uh, been left behind in fact you know, the last player to score 20 goals in the league for Chelsea was uh, Eddie Nazar they haven't had a good goal scorer Ta- I mean Tammy Abraham must be pulling his hair out thinking like, how on earth have I not got a chance to stay in this team? It's crazy. Um, they, 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 I think Leeds are very good at playing out from the back. They go very quickly up the middle of the pitch. They're not afraid to go vertically if they need to. Uh, Melier's is very good at getting the ball down the throat of the opposition. Um, I thought the way that Chelsea moved the ball themselves against Spurs was brilliant. And I was impressed for 60 minutes with Leeds last weekend. But if it was me, Matt, I'd be targeting the left-hand side, the right-hand side of the Leeds. Oh, leave him alone. Because that right-back... Christensen he is uh, he, he's a danger I think I think he's one where you can get
4: you're out. anti-Christensen you hated Andreas I'm at Chelsea and now you're picking on this poor fella yeah. at Leeds you've got an agenda
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah well no, 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 I, I've got a Christian I'm I, I, <laughs> I picking on Christensen's but um, he was I think it was he was the reason that he dropped three points last week
3: I think they need a full back. I think that, that's that's fair I think they also need a They're another team. Do you know what? They're another team that need a striker with Bamford's injury problems at the moment, unable to stay fit. I think they're another team. I know Rodrigo started the season well, um, but I think they're another team that, that do yeah, need someone, do need someone up top. Um, yeah, I, Chelsea have got a, a few issues themselves, particularly in midfield. Kovacic out and Ngolo Conte as well, picking up that injury. Be interesting to see if Conor Gallagher gets a start. Um, this week, I, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of his and he, he seems surplus to requirements at Chelsea. It seems like if somebody came in that they'd be willing to do business, which I'm surprised at because I think he had a great loan spell last year. Um, and I think he's the next cab off the rank really and deserves an opportunity. But it doesn't seem as though that's going to be the case.
4: Newcastle really no, keen on Conor Gallagher. No. Really keen on Gallagher.
3: Oh,
0: no. They need him there. Conor Gallagher is a dynamic midfield player. He picks the ball up, he runs towards the opposition's goal. When Chelsea were breaking at the end of the game against Spurs, he was the one who got on the end of it in front of goal. You need a player like that that's got the dynamism to play in that midfield. The midfield has been a real problem for Chelsea. Jorginho's so slow and ponderous and boring. Conte's brilliant at mopping up. Kovacic is a good box-to-box player, but he's injured. They need someone in there.
3: I think I think Conte and Kovacic are both good ball carriers, but so is Gallagher as well. I think he's someone that, as you mm. quite rightly say, drives forward with the ball and gets you on the attack. And he gets himself into goal scoring positions as well. He gets himself into the box where he can hurt the opposition. So I'm amazed that he hasn't, or, or it doesn't appear to be, um, in favour at Chelsea and that they'd be willing to listen to offers for him.
0: Crazy. Chelsea unbeaten in eight games with Leeds uh, Okay, uh, on to the next section of the programme Because game day's got a 3pm date At the Palace
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt Now imagine them getting even softer over time
2: This is the program that brings you closer to the football each day. It's Talk Sports Game Day. Kane has found the net. It's in off the post. Tottenham are level. We want to try in every game to be competitive. And surely, all three points for Wolverhampton Wanderers. Zaha went racing through. Crystal
0: Palace take points away at one of the super clubs. And Emmy
2: Buendir is there to seal it for Aston Villa.
3: No Premier League level. <laughs> One thing you need is a certain level of performance to put points on the board.
2: Brentford 4, Manchester United nil. Manchester United have capitulated here.
3: They make bad decisions and that is football and we get
2: punished. An electrifying goal from Luis Diaz. Liverpool level.
3: We will try to make sure that we are ready for this game and we were more often ready than not.
0: It's the biggest and it's the best football show on the radio. Three o'clock on Saturday, live on Talk Sport Two. It's Crystal Palace against Aston Villa. Now I spoke to uh, Patrick Vieira the other night. To see you, Patrick, yes, sir. thank you. He sounded delighted. Nice to see you, Patrick. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yeah, he did, didn't he? I was a bit creepy there, wasn't I? (laughs) Nice to see you, Patrick. Um, And he was pretty pleased with the way they played at Anfield in the end. And I get it, I get it, I get it. They defended very, very well. And they got a point that you would never expect them to get against Liverpool. But they missed chances, didn't they? I mean, they they could have had all three points. And and that sort of ruthlessness has now been lacking in both the games against Liverpool and against Arsenal. Crook.
4: Yeah, and perhaps that's why they're so keen um, to sign Ishmaela Saar from Watford. be interesting to see uh, if Watford are willing to let both Saar and Jao Pedro go because, we you know, Newcastle are very keen on Jao Pedro um, as well. Again, you talk about Chelsea's uh, lack of a number nine being an issue for a number of years. It's the same story, really, at Crystal Palace, isn't it? We, they tried with Benteke. Obviously, he's moved on. Odson Edward hasn't scored goals uh, with the same regularity that he did in Scotland. So, for me, in terms of that end product, they're still a bit too reliant on Wilfred Zaha.
0: Yeah, and he missed a couple of big chances and then moaned about everybody else uh, when doing so on Monday, which seems to be that he's way mad. I mean, he's a difficult character to sort of get along with, isn't he? Because he's got obvious talent, but... He just seems to turn around and start moaning at everybody else, even when he's at fault. I mean, it must be difficult to hang around within that dressing room. Do
3: you know what? I, I I've played with plenty of difficult characters, but if they're doing it on the pitch, it's amazing what you forgive. If they are producing and they're winning your matches <laughs> and, and they're winning you three points, um, you can sort of put that to one side. It's when you're not winning games and they're being a a pain in the neck and they're shouting and they're moaning and they're groaning about every single thing and they're not happy with training they're not happy with this they're not happy you didn't pass to them that's when you start getting a little bit irritated. But while they're winning your games and winning your points, you can forgive You can forgive a lot. It's there's a common theme running today, isn't there, about number nines? We seem to be lacking a lot of number nines in the Premier yeah. League this season. It's no better time to be a, a striker because there's about seven or eight clubs that are absolutely desperate for one.
0: But it's interesting because when I was a kid, everyone wanted to be the number nine. Everyone wanted to be the Ian Rush. They wanted to be the Alan Shearer. Um, but
3: What now, are they now? They're all the number ten. Through- Everyone's a number 10, Everyone I to be the number 10s. You Everyone ask. Wants to be honestly, an, I was
0: doing youth football. Honestly, it's absolutely crazy. You go to youth football and you watch a game and there's like about seven number 10s and there's no central striker. And the central striker that they do have is usually not a great player because actually he's just one player who can play in that position because we're just not producing that many
3: number nines. You ask any kid, what position do you play? I reckon nine out of 10 will say I'm a number 10. I'm a number 10. What? what so, so what So what does that mean? You want to get on the ball, you want to attack, you want to create, you want to dribble, but you don't want to defend. That's pretty much it. That's the bottom yeah. line. Yeah. yeah, everyone is a number 10 now.
0: Uh, Crook's not a number 10, that's for sure. Uh, Crystal Palace don't lose very hu- at home very often. Uh, just four of their 19 home games last season ended in defeat. So uh, let's be clear, despite a win at home to Everton, Aston Villa are going to have their work cut out here, aren't they? And they've got no Diego Carlos to help them.
4: Yeah, uh, it it depends what Aston Villa turn up, really. The Aston Villa that were really poor at Bournemouth on the opening weekend, or the Aston Villa that improved dramatically against Everton. I guess that's been an issue for Villa for some time now, that, that inconsistency, maybe players like Coutinho going missing uh, particularly away from home Diago, Diego Carlos will be a loss uh, for them there's talks uh, uh, in in the uh, foreign press that maybe Duj Kaleta Saar the Croatian international long since linked with a move to the Premier League could be on their radar and I do think they will have to dip into the market uh, to replace Diego Carlos because I'm not convinced and nor is Steven Gerrard that the likes of Courtney Hawes can come in and and really fill that void.
0: It's been interesting, isn't it? After uh, having a massive go at Tyrone Mings and stripping him off the captaincy, uh, le- leaving him out of the side on the opening day of the season. Very quickly, he's now going to be leaning rather heavily on said Tyrone Mings, man.
3: Yeah, but but do you know what? <laughs> Maybe it was the right thing to do. He's got a reaction out of Tyrone Mings. And Steven Gerrard's not cutting his nose off to spite his face. You know, he realises that he needs Tyrone Mings and yes, he may well have had his issues with him but he's, he's been man enough, if you like, to throw him back into the team when he needs him. He has got some selection dilemmas this weekend. Crookie t- touched on it there about Coutinho. Buendia off the bench looked lively. So, which way is he going to go? Is he going to is he going to throw Buendia in? Is he going to leave Coutinho out? That's going to be a big call for him. I like Tings and Watkins together. I, 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 like, I like them both as players. I've been a bit unsure whether they can play in the same team but I thought they were... They were decent together at the weekend. So he has got a few selection problems.
0: Yeah, he has indeed. Uh, No such problems for Manchester City, who go away to Newcastle United 4.30 on Sunday as part of the Sunday session. It looked like Liverpool were set fair uh, for the season after the Community Shield crookie, but it's City have started in top gear and after smashing Newcastle twice last season are they going to inflict similar damage
4: on the tune again? they have a good record um, don't they uh, against Newcastle but actually I'm I'm good friends with a Newcastle fan and I was speaking to him earlier this week they're really excited um, about this game they see it as a chance to prove uh, how far they've come under Eddie Howe. Actually, I remember Eddie getting a lot of criticism from our own Adrian Durham uh, for the tactics that he deployed uh, against Manchester City last season. I thought he was far too negative, um, far too defensive, but I think this is the one club I'm right in saying that Eddie's never beaten in the Premier League in terms of the big guns, so uh, I think that's why he goes into it with caution. Um, I thought City... Well, listen, they swept Bournemouth aside. Uh, Newcastle will be a bigger challenge, but they've got so much potency Um, up front. I can't see where City are going to lose a game this season. I really can't.
0: Yeah, um, Matt, look, I mean, De Bruyne looks like he's going to have a field day, doesn't he, this season. I'm sure Eddie won't allow this to happen and have so many defenders being attracted to Haaland that De Bruyne gets ignored. But that was certainly a little bit of what was going on last week against Bournemouth. And if you do end up where you're in a situation where you've got three defenders around the big striker, inevitably there's going to be other spaces on the pitch. And when that happens... City have got the quality all over to be able to exploit it.
3: Yeah, I, I actually think Haaland, this season particularly, will be better away from home than he will be at home. Uh, I, I think in games at home, teams going away to the Etihad will be very defensive. They'll be um, getting you know, back fives, back fours, everyone behind the ball, making sure that they condense that space in behind that Haaland wants to run into. Um, we saw against West Ham the number of runs that he made and was able to get in. And, and I just think that away from home, we'll see a bit more of Haaland and, and, and a bit more of those runs in behind them. We'll see at home. Um, you talked about Eddie's record against the big boys against Pep. He's faced in 10 times. Pep's won all 10. So that tells you, you the size go. of the task <laughs> that he's got. Going, that's the, that tells you the size of the task he's got going into this one. Um, so no, I, I, I fancy Man City, particularly away from home to, to do a job on Newcastle. And, um, yeah, they're, they they so much business still to be done. In the last couple of weeks, Newcastle still being linked with a number of players as well. It's going to be it's going to be a fascinating couple of weeks. But ah. this weekend, Man City, I think, will be will be too strong.
0: Yeah, Newcastle are interested in a few Chelsea players, crook, aren't they? What are we hearing? Could could they be in for a big splash between now and the end? of the window you mentioned Connor Gallagher but I understand that they were looking at Christian Pulisic as well
4: yeah actually I I mentioned the the situation with Chelsea's fringe players um, in my transfer notebook this week because there are a lot of clubs not just Newcastle uh, the likes of West Ham uh, Bournemouth as well who've kept their uh, allocation of domestic loans free until the end of the window because they believe that actually uh, some of the bigger guns in the Premier League uh, will let players go out late in the day. Chelsea, certainly one of them. You look at Callum Hudson-Odoi, Pulisic you've mentioned, maybe Ruben Loftus-Cheek as well. I think West Ham would like to sign Armando Broya should he become available. And as you say, uh, Newcastle, Gallagher is certainly their top target, but I think there is some interest in Pulisic as well. So it's going, to be, it's going to be intriguing to see what Chelsea do with those fringe players because as they look to strengthen and players fall further down the pecking order, then maybe they will become available.
0: Yeah, um, and certainly Newcastle haven't made a massive splash in the transfer market yet. And the idea that they get someone in right at the very end will certainly help. Chelsea's fringe, by the way, is almost as big as the Edinburgh fringe, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> almost as big as your then fringe. And yeah, it is. Yeah, um, me and Mark Cucurea. um It's it certainly is sort of like a, a hoarding of players. I feel a little bit like, and they've been undone by this FIFA rule now, where you can only loan out a certain number of players. That's going to be cut over the course of the next few years. You've got to be a bit careful that you cut your cloth accordingly. Uh, West Ham United against Brighton is two o'clock on Sunday, part of the Sunday session. Uh, West Ham are yet to score a goal in the Premier League, but six of the last seven meetings between these two have been scoring draws. But in order for that to happen, West Ham will have to improve from last week's showing against Forest, Matt.
3: Yeah, I think they're a little bit unlucky in the, in the game at Forest, if we're we're totally honest. Um you know, they had the goal disallowed, missed the penalty, had some big chances as well. So I think on the balance of play, they didn't necessarily de- deserve to lose that game. I thought it was a brilliant atmosphere I and mean, Forrest were at, at West Ham, you know, great tempo, um, great energy about their performance. But I, I think on the face of it, if you analyse the game fully, I, I don't necessarily think that Crossbar,
0: West Ham... Crossbar, Post, uh, Dean I, Henderson, exactly. penalty, I, I, goal I disallowed, think- Antonio...
3: I don't think they necessarily deserve to, to lose the game. Um, they've actually got a poor record against Brighton. They've not won in ten Premier League games mm. against them. So um, they, this is they've a,
0: a, never beaten Brighton in the league,
3: mate, in the Premier League. Yeah, unbelievable, isn't it? That's that's a, that's a frightening stat, yeah. really. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a tricky game for them after you've after you've lost the first two, You can't can't against a team that you haven't got a good record against.
0: Yeah, and obviously what we were really alluding to there, Alex, is once again. They weren't putting chances away, which has been a theme of the podcast. So they where are all the blooming number nines, uh, but, or, or even number nines that can score goals. Uh, Brighton returned to their old ways as well last week with a 0-0 draw against Newcastle. They're they're worse than hitting their XG than Crystal Palace and West Ham. Um, Skamaka's got to start this weekend, right? And um are we gonna see any movement in terms of Brighton in terms of trying to bring in a a striker as well? Uh,
4: Potentially Um, I was told a couple of days ago that if they are uh, to make another delve into the transfer market that would be uh, the position they'd be looking at I think it would probably be a, a young up-and-coming player in the Danny Welbeck mould because Graham Potter, I think, has said publicly that we haven't really got uh, another player who plays the same way as Welbeck. And obviously, we know that Welbeck won't stay fit uh, for the whole season. History tells us that. It's why I'm slightly surprised they're willing to sanction this move for, for Neil Mopay. Lots of clubs in for him. Forrest seems to have stalled. Uh, Everton and Fulham and even Legion United were mentioned uh, to me as potential suitors for Mope as well. So we'll keep an eye on that one. But you're right, Brighton just missed so many Uh, opportunities it's such a frustration Uh, it seems particularly uh, at the Amex um, that they're they're a little bit more uh, ruthless away from home which is why I actually fancy Brighton to cause a bit of an upset here and uh, if West Ham start the season with three games without a win their fans will start to get agitated because we know it doesn't take much for the the West Ham fans to get on the backs of the owners and and of the players and the manager
0: and with Europe on Thursday may influence the Hammers team selection they've got a very hectic schedule between now and the World Cup even more hectic than some of those clubs that are playing in the Champions League because they've started a round earlier than everybody else in the Europa League Europa Conference League um, so it'll be interesting to see how they get on on Sunday when they take on Brighton right let's get to a fearsome derby Everton Liverpool Rangers Celtic Man City Man United but what about Fulham against Brentford that's right, well, right maybe not. Uh, but to a certain community in West London this is massive it might not have hit your radar mainly because this happened more often than not in Divisions 2 and 3 but for the first time in the top flight it is these two, the Cottagers uh, against um, the Bees. It's going to be a cracking match, three o'clock Saturday. I can't believe it's not on television, really, to be honest with you. But okay. anyway, um, <laughs> uh, stop it. Why are you having a go at them? They can have a rival if they want. Don't be nasty. Do you know what, actually? Um, I was uh, it's just bitter, a it's just bitter about
3: last week. Don't worry.
4: Well, yeah, there is that. But I was actually having a drink with a couple of the the producers at TalkSport, one being a Fulham fan, one being a Brentford fan. They were getting quite agitated about this game uh, coming up this weekend. So I got a little glimpse of the rivalry. But producer Dom, Sam, who I know uh, helps out on your show on a Sunday, he was trying to convince me um, that Marco Silva is one of the best managers uh, in the Premier League because he, he did such a good job um, last season with Fulham and their, their their paper-thin resources the fact they were only paying Mitrovic 120 grand a week to banging goals up front that that was a masterclass <laughs> from Marco Silva to get Fulham promoted to the Premier League I said I'll, I'll reserve judgment until the end of this season shall I? Uh, Dom is the only uh, he's, a, he's not a producer really I mean, he's, quite, he's, he's
0: very keyed in in his production but he's, he's, he's the button pusher so he's the one who mixes everything down on a Sunday on our show and uh, he uh, is, a, is a massive football fan he's one of the biggest football fans I know that doesn't really watch that much football because he, he spends most of it drinking and singing and partying uh, but he follows Rangers, Fulham, England and Tooting and Mitcham <laughs> All over the country. <laughs> what a mix. I said, when do you get a chance to work? He said, well, you know, I'll just fit it around the football, don't I? Um, but he does. He, he, his whole life is football. And, I, and I, I sort of quite admire him for that, even though he is, yeah, he's weird Dom. He's weird Dom. Um, uh, Brentford haven't lost a regular league meeting between these two since fireworks night 2016. But, Matt, they did lose the big one. The biggest meeting of recent times, which is at Wembley, the championship playoff final. So maybe the bees will be buzzing for a bit of revenge. And they looked good last week.
3: They did look very good. I was at the game. Uh, I was at uh, Brentford last week and they were, they were really impressive. Tactically, uh, Thomas Frank got it absolutely spot on. He invited Man United to play out. They pressed quickly from the front. Uh, there's a, one player that actually uh, I thought his performance went a little bit under the radar last week was Matthias Jensen in midfield. He's coming for a bit of criticism at Brentford and I thought he was brilliant. The, the, the way he, he pressed in the middle of the pitch, he obviously he got his goal from it as well. He got his reward for doing it. But but they totally dominated the middle of the pitch, and I thought he was a big influence on that. You know, Tony gets a lot of headlines, and and you know his his battle with Lissandro Martinez etc. But I thought Matthias Jensen was was excellent in that game. They've got good fixtures on paper, Brentford. They've got a good little run of of fixtures, and and there's a obviously what they've got to do though is back it up now. You know, you, you, you have that performance against a Man United. You you hide. There's there's the celebrations after the game. They did the lap of honour after the game. There's a great atmosphere. Now they've got to come back down to earth. Now they've got to do it again. They've got to do it against a promoted team away from home. So that's another test for them. Can they back it up? What they did last week. They, can they do it again this week? And that's the challenge I think for Thomas Frank.
0: Um, uh, certainly a team we've got a nice run of fixtures. Are Arsenal? They're away to Bournemouth on Saturday at five thirty. Um, It's the team with the lowest XG in the division so far against the team with the highest XG in the division. Uh, All due respect to Bournemouth, but I don't see how they stop a rampant Arsenal uh, from scoring three or four here, Crook,
4: No, I'm at the game actually, Uh, looking forward to it. Um, I think it will be a test for Arsenal. Uh, because I think Bournemouth are going to be very direct and very physical at home, as Aston Villa found.
0: So there might be a little bit nasty. Yeah, and
4: Aston Villa, and Arsenal traditionally don't exactly. Like that. Scott Parker said after the Villa game that you know we we want to be known as a team that are nasty to face, and and particularly at the vitality we want to make it uncomfortable. And if you look back to the start of last season, Brentford did a job um, on Arsenal early in the campaign with those sort of tactics. I think Arsenal are a better team now um, and better equipped to deal with that that kind of thing, but. Yeah, I'm not as convinced as you that Arsenal will run out comfortable winners. I think this will be a, a potentially difficult evening.
3: Are, are you working at the game, Crook? You're as uh, Aaron Ramsdale got your box. Has he sorted anything out for you at all, your big mate? <laughs> Aaron Ramsdale, has he uh, sorted uh, something um,
4: out for you? A bit of VIP uh, hospitality? I'm working at the game. Um, I have been invited up to one of the boxes after, afterwards, but not by Aaron Ramsdale, funnily enough. Oh, by okay. somebody else? Oh, Aaron Ramsdale's
0: getting married now. Are you going to be the best man? <laughs> Behave yourself. <laughs> Has he did, not you it, he he did it on Instagram the other day. <laughs> oh, Has he not rang you and asked you to organise his stag,
4: All this because I said nice me? things about him when he first signed Arsenal and you lot have all been proved wrong.
0: And then when we went on your 40th birthday, he turned up.
4: <laughs> By complete chance, shall we add.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. No wonder you've been peddling him, trying to get him a move away from uh, Sheffield United and then from Bournemouth. To, oh, mate, I tell you, Unbelievable. You might as well be his agent, not alone, let alone his best mate. Um, uh, Arsenal looking to register another new signing between now and deadline day. In fact, they might try and do it before Friday's uh, midday deadline. They're looking at are they looking at Hudson Adoy? Is that right, Neto? Uh,
4: well, Neto's being touted around, uh, as I mentioned earlier, and I think obviously Callum Hudson Adoy is available, and uh, there is a lot of clubs in for him. As well, and Arsenal do want another wide player, but I think they want to get Nicola Pepe off the wage bill first. He, he might join Nice on loan. I mean, that that is a disastrous transfer, do. isn't it? Is it
0: a disastrous transfer? Because actually, I was listening to someone uh, yesterday, I think it was Danny Murphy on the Jim and Simon show, and he said, is it a disastrous signing? Because actually, I think the first season he was there, or the second season he was there, he scored 16 goals. In fact, he's got quite a a reasonable goal ratio for for a wide player. The reason that that everyone bulks at his performances over the course of the last few years is because they paid too much for him. Or they paid what looks like an over-the-top transfer fee. Actually, they got him on the drip so they could pay him... Um, they could pay. Uh, who was it they bought him from? I can't even remember. Who they bought Lille, him, from. I think. They bought him from France somewhere. Lille. Uh, they 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 paid him on a on a sort of uh, pay as you play basis, didn't they? So maybe they won't have to pay the whole seventy two million quid. Anyway, if they're going to then loan him out to Nice and then maybe sell him back on. So we'll see. Um, But all new signings have to be registered by midday on Friday if they are going to play uh, this weekend. Um, I wonder if Nottingham Forest are going to sign another six or seven between now and that deadline because uh, they seem to be just picking up uh, players for fun. They take on Everton at three o'clock on Saturday. They did pick up their first win of the season last week as well, digging in to beat West Ham. At home, but Everton will be desperate to get off the mark here, Matt. And failure to do so will be a major concern to Frank Lampard because, despite the fact that in patches they played okay, you know they're still winless.
3: Yeah, I, I actually was at the uh, Goodison Park first game of the season, and, and they impressed me actually the mm. energy of the team, the commitment of the team yep, really me impressed me. But and it is a big but they, they 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 look really short at the top end of the pitch. There's no two ways. To, uh, disguising it, you know, selling Richarlison, Dominic Calvert Lewin getting injured just before the season starts. A um, little bit surprised that they let Ellie Sims go out on loan actually as well, knowing that they've got injury injury issues at the top end of the pitch. There's talk about Anthony Gordon now, maybe leaving for Chelsea as well. So the the top end of the pitch is a real problem for for Frank Lampard, and that's something that that needs to improve and and he needs help. Anana uh, looked good in his little cameo. Um, last week so interested to see if he'll, he'll get yeah. it off in the start uh, I was at um, Reading last night watched Brereton Diaz as well who's someone that's been linked with with um, Everton he looked like yes. he might be on the move he looked like he might be on the move because he, he he got dragged off in the second half didn't really contribute too much had one chance but didn't really have too many other opportunities so he just played like he, he might well be protecting himself for, for a move. So I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to see him um, pop up in the ch- in the uh, Premier League somewhere soon. So uh, it, they just need desperate help at, at the top end of the pitch.
0: Yeah, um, interesting, isn't it? Because he was once a, if I'm not mistaken, he was a Nostrand Forest player, wasn't he? Previously, uh, Ben Brereton, yes, uh, when he was just Ben Brereton. In fact, he was part of that team that dismantled Arsenal in the FA Cup. Um, Arsene Wenger's last FA Cup game I think that was uh, that was true I watched that in a
4: pub with you didn't I group down in East? you did it was uh, yeah, it was FA Cup third round I think so uh, yeah you, you paid yeah. us a visit yeah. Brereton Diaz is an interesting one though isn't he because if you look at his career he's only really had that one season last season where he, he, he scored goals at the type of rate that would make Premier League scouts sit up and take notice. But Matt's right, there is interest. I think Bournemouth have looked at him, uh, Everton as well. Obviously, they've rejected a bid already uh, from Nice. I think he's one of the players that, that, that will be on a lot of clubs' radars because there aren't many goal scorers, as we've already mentioned, and he's won.
3: He's priced as well. He's only got a year left on his contract. So if you have bought him They want 15 million, summer, I, I think, talking, up front. So, well, I, I, so I, I I sort of heard 10, but like 20, 20 plus million last summer, that's halved. This
0: this summer, so I think I think at ten million pound, I think it's worth a, you know, it's worth a go. How much is Delhi Ali
4: going to cost for Shikhas? <laughs> do we think? Why is that? Funny? No, it's, it's not funny. Actually, no, why, why um, Ali McCoyce was talking about this on Breakfast yesterday. It's actually really sad uh, when you look at the demise of of Delhi Ali from World Cup semi finalists, you know, to to a player who's being talked about at one stage as a possible one hundred million pound player, to now possibly going to try and revive his career in the graveyard that is Turkish football. And I guess you look at his decline, it's a warning to any young player, don't take it for granted, because just as quickly as you rise to the top, you can quickly fall down again. Um, Saturday at three o'clock, Leicester
0: against uh, Southampton. This is the battle of two of the three dreadful defences in the league I mean Leicester and Saints have considered 12 goals between them already we're only two games in Saints uh, seem to think that their issue is a striker but actually it might be at the other end group
4: uh, yeah maybe um, I think you know there's doubts for me about Salisu and, and, and Bednarek as a partnership I think Jack Stevens is going to be allowed to, to leave the club which um, might divide some Southampton fans because He, for me, is someone... the
0: Cornish Maldini? He
4: is someone, when he comes into the team, you know what you're going to get. You know, he's not the best defender in the world, but I don't think he makes the kind of errors that perhaps some of his teammates do. They're a work in progress, Southampton. We knew that would be the case um, with a young team. One win in 15 now doesn't look great for Ralph Hasenhutl, but I mentioned on the podcast last weekend that he still had the backing of the board. The fact they're trying to spend £25 on Gonzalo Ramos uh, suggests that to be the case, but they need a win, and quickly, And, and, and you can say the same about Leicester. Um, And I wonder if their fans will be a bit concerned uh, with the news that came out on Thursday that they've taken a loan uh, from Macquarie, uh, not for the first time, against future television revenues. That really backs up the narrative that, that, you know, the finances, the coffers at Leicester aren't perhaps as deep as they used to be.
0: No, there's there's no problem. There's no problem. Absolutely no problem. Honestly. No, that's why they haven't signed anyone. It's because there's no problem at all. (laughs) No issue (laughs) whatsoever. No oh, trust me there isn't there's nothing there but uh, they'll end up selling Wesley for Fafana for about 80 million quid and maybe they uh, will bol- bolster their coffers soon. That might be uh, give them enough finance to pay off Brendan Rodgers when they eventually fire him um, because it's him or Ralph who, for first manager to go, isn't it, Matt? It's what it feels like it, both of them can't win a game. Um, Southampton haven't won, uh, they've won just one of the last 15 games in all competitions. Next up, they've got Chelsea and Manchester United after this weekend. Both these two managers really need a victory.
3: Yeah, it feels like that, doesn't it? That The two of them under pressure. If you listen to the fan bases... I think they're all getting a little bit frustrated with with some of the decisions that the the, the managers are taking, um, some of the substitutions that they're making, some of the the, you know, the starting 11s that they're selecting, uh, some of the formations that they're selecting. So it, there's a bit of frustration with with both of these two two sets of fans at the moment with what they're seeing. It's a, it's a huge game for both. I actually fancy Leicester. I think because because of the quality that they've got um, in in forward positions for them to get to to win this game. I was impressed with Mara. Last week for Southampton, obviously love, lovely ball as well, through for Carl um, Walker-Peters. but and, and they showed a bit of character as well in coming back Southampton, but I, but I do fancy Leicester in this one.
0: Um, Daniel Marti's been linked with a move away, which surprised me because actually he, last week he was probably their best defender out of the three of them that played against Arsenal uh, because Johnny Evans really struggled with Jesus and Wesley Fofana, but barring that swashbuckling run where he seemed to take on half the Arsenal midfield, he had a torrid day. He had an absolutely torrid day, um, and he looked like a player that wanted, to, you know, to either show that he was—he was probably trying a little bit too hard to show that he was an eighty million pound player. And it didn't work at all. It backfired. Um, but I feel sorry for De- Brendan Rodgers because it wasn't that long ago that he won the FA Cup with Leicester City. And now, all of a sudden, because they haven't spent any money and because he's had an injury crisis last year, everybody's on his back. OK, there's one or two tactical decisions that have, have maybe gone wrong. And I know that our own football editor, Jason Bourne, was quite cross last weekend after watching them against uh, Arsenal. He's a big Leicester, Leicester fan. Uh, but um, I, I just feel like, you know, sometimes it's... Who are you going to get? Who are you going to get who's better than Brendan Rodgers? Who are you going to get? Well, especially if you've not got any funds
4: to strengthen the squad. You know, that, that, that's that's the problem. I just wonder where Leicester see themselves now in the food chain because you go back two years and they, they they were certainly, you know, top four contenders. They spent a lot of time in the top four and obviously missed out on the final day of the season. They look a long way off that now, um, to be honest. And without, you know, reinvigorating the squad, it's, it's difficult to see what more Brendan Rodgers can do. I know they're working hard on a, a new contract for Manchester United linked um, Jamie Vardy so that will be uh, maybe a bit of good news to come out shortly <laughs>
0: well thank you very much gentlemen we're all off now to go and read the rest of that list that have uh, been linked with Manchester United so by the time we finish that it will be Monday night and we'll have live football for you on Talksport between Manchester United and Liverpool um, we'll also be back on Monday morning when you wake up with the best review of all of the action the weekend starts and finishes on Talksport. game day Saturday Tottenham against Wolverhampton Wanderers live and then it finishes on Monday night with that huge match Manchester United against Liverpool only live on Talk Sport
2: The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes The latest odds? We set them Form guides? We've got them Expert opinions? We share them The best fans in the world deserve the best be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply.